Are you are you with the government? Yes. You work in the in, in as a developer in the government. How does it feel to be the most attractive person in your office? <laughs> I've had many government contracts uh, in in the <laughs> IT field, and uh, let me tell you, it's either it's a competition between that and the DMV to see who. Uh, I'm just saying. Well, I'm not in IT. I, I work out of communications. I'm in the oh, communications yeah. branch, so where I think I guess we're a different breed <laughs> than in the IT group. <laughs> well, it's sure it's okay. It's a, it's a step up, but it's not necessarily Victoria's Secret over there. So hi everyone, welcome back. This is season two, episode 22. And tonight my guest is Rory Gardner. Rory is a comedian and musician based out of Ottawa. Hi Rory, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. What does season two mean? Like what was season one? Why season this... one uh, took place during the first lockdown. Um, I had, I didn't classify it as season one. I just did a whole bunch of episodes. Right. Um, and then when I started this up again at the end of December, I decided to call it season two. That so makes sense. That, that's, yeah, that's, that's how that naming convention came. There you go. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> Thank you. So how have you been? Uh, good. 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 Um, I stay busy. I, I, uh, I stay, I stay busy. I, I, I can, yeah. Other than like not being able to go outside, I can, I can keep myself occupied pretty well. Okay. You? Uh, same. Keeping myself busy. I work, I'm working from home and I'm keeping myself busy, like doing this and, and other stuff that doesn't involve going outside and seeing you, other people what, in person. What do, what do you do from home? What do you, you... Um, I'm a web developer. What? What, what are you coding? Yeah. Um, well, right. Well, what I'm using is uh, like a proprietary publishing program from work, but um, yeah, so I'm, it's basically HTML and CSS because everything is done in the background, like all the JavaScript yeah. and everything is done in the background. So it's mainly content. So you're more of like an architect rather than a developer? Yeah, I'm a developer by training, but my job right now is more of a publisher. Are you are you with the government? Yes. You work in the in, in as a developer in the government. How does it feel to be the most attractive person in your office? <laughs> I've had many government contracts uh, in in the <laughs> IT field, and uh, let me tell you, it's either it's a competition between that and the DMV to see who. Uh, I'm just saying. Well, I'm not in IT. I, I work out of communications. I'm in the oh, communications yeah. branch. So where I think, I guess we're a different breed <laughs> than in the IT group. <laughs> well, it's sure it's okay. It's a, it's a step up, but it's not necessarily Victoria's Secret over there. <laughs> yeah, I'm still a nerd though. <laughs> yeah. I'm still a nerd. <laughs> That's okay. My, uh, my education's in, in software. And so like, for, for years, I was, uh, I was like a software consult, like a QA consultant. So I would test all your stuff and tell you what oh. mistakes you made. 
Yeah, I did. I did that not in the government, but uh, I freelanced for a little bit, and I would do um, some stuff like that for a for a stats company, an analytics company. I had a like a side sideline freelance thing where they they were basically like try and break this, and I'm, okay, <laughs> sort of thing. Yeah, but I, I don't freelance much. Um, I'm doing a freelance thing right now, but I haven't freelanced in years. This is more of a favor for a friend, but right, yeah, um, yeah. But the breaking thing is fun. I remember uh, I was on a contract in Toronto. This is around like 2004, and they were they were implementing a security patch on on their system. This was KPMG, and they and as so the <laughs> it was to block websites. So like my entire role that day was to like try to hit porn sites to see if I could get access to it. <clears throat> What a day. <laughs> I know. And so like, you know, this is blocked. And like all of a sudden I have like these other, like these developers, these guys coming around, like see if you can get this one. <laughs> like I had like a group of people around my desk, like trying different URLs, like their favorite hotspots, I guess. Yeah, you're taking requests. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Meetandinmate.com. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's what I've been doing since uh, I moved here for, for this job. And uh, yeah, I've been working from home since the beginning, since March. Where are you from? So, um, I'm from Montreal, born and raised, but I, I spent the last 17 years, I spent 17 years in Toronto and I moved here two years ago. Do you have any affiliation with Ottawa other than? Um, no, it was mainly my job. My job brought me here. And at the time when I was planning to move here, I wanted to be closer to Montreal because my mom was dying. Um, she passed before I moved, but I, I came anyway because it was a good opportunity. So I did just I decided to come just the same. Do you think but she I'm heard you were to my sister? Is she in Montreal? Yeah. Right. What do you think Ottawa was of her? I like it. I like it. It took me some getting used to because it's a lot quieter than uh, and smaller than Toronto. Um, but I like it. I think I was ready. For, I think I was ready for the change. I couldn't handle Toronto. I was there for about a year and it was like, I, I, I don't know. I, I like, I like driving. I like parking. I like, you know what I mean? I don't, you know, it was, I don't know. It wasn't really my cup of tea. So I, I, I left, uh, left Toronto pretty quick yeah, and then I moved down. I went, there, I went from Montreal to Toronto. So I went from big city to big city. Um, yeah. I have to say the first year I hated it. If I had gotten the, if I had the opportunity to go back to Montreal, I probably would have gone. Um, just because I found it was hard to, hard to meet people because everyone lives so spread out and everyone just wants to go home after work because they've got like a two hour commute or yeah. something. Um, but after, yeah, after about the first year, year and a half, when I, you know, started to learn my way around and started to meet people, I, I loved it and I, I miss it. I miss it. Cause I made a lot of, have a lot of friends there and I made a lot of connections there. So I, I do miss it. <laughs> But but I, I I'm happy here. I like it here. Yeah, no, it's uh, that's good. I, I grew up in Ottawa, so I mean, it's I always seem to find my way back here. I did mm -hmm. uh, after Toronto. I went to it's been Tampa for uh, for about a year, and I actually I lived at a I worked in a, at a place that overlooked um, where the Buccaneers uh, used to practice. So at lunch oh, every day, okay. I go out and see their their practice and. I don't know. I wasn't a Bucks fan or anything, but it was it was fun. And then yeah. twenty years later, there he just won the Super Bowl. So right. 
Did you watch it? Did you watch the game or? Yeah. You know, yeah. It's about the only football game I watch all year. So. Okay. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not into football. I had it on, I think. Well, the thing is five minutes when there's five minutes left on the clock that could last like 45 minutes. <laughs> Cause I think I turned it on there. It was, I think 10, 10 minutes left in the, in the second. Cause I just want to see the halftime show. What do you think? Um, it was, I'm always expecting the halftime show to be this long production and it's basically a medley of songs and then that's it. Yeah. You know, I'm always expecting it to run like half an hour or much, much longer. Um, so I thought it, I thought it was fine. I thought, um, I know one of my friends said that she had to stop watching it because of the, the camera shots was like, was get, making your motion sick. She was starting to feel <laughs> some motion sickness. Yeah. You know, um, it was fine. It was fine. I liked the weekend. So I thought it was okay. I wasn't like blown away or anything, but I thought it was fine. Yeah. I, I feel the same way. I, I didn't, yeah. I didn't love it, but I mean, you know, I'm patriotic. So exactly. uh, good, good for exactly. us. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like I wasn't like, wow, or anything, but I was like, cool. Good for him. Sort of thing. And What's been your favorite halftime show ever? Um, I liked last year's with J-Lo and Shakira. Before um, we continue this, uh, is there a premise to this entire thing or is it just literally shooting the breeze? This is literally shooting the breeze. We can talk, okay. about, we can talk about anything you want. If you want to talk about something else, we can talk about something else. Okay, I just I just, uh, I asked because who the hell wants to hear us talk about old people who did old halftime You never show. know. People like, that's what people seem to like about the show that we talk about different things that, like, you know, you get like, in different insight sort of thing. I do nice. have questions that I can that I can ask you, but um, yeah, it can go it can go anywhere anyway. You prepared um, questions? Yeah, I usually have a set of questions that I'm that I ask everyone. Oh, okay. You know, but I let the conversation go wherever it goes. Okay, okay. You know, <laughs> you're the boss. <laughs> yes, yes, I am. <laughs> Um, so I'd say my one of my favorites was uh, Prince. From I, I don't remember what year that was, but Prince was a good one. And then there was one with Britney Spears, which is wearing the football suit or whatever the uniform. That was actually Aerosmith uh, that, was that Aerosmith? year. It was Aerosmith, but then Britney sang a part of "Walk This Way" with them. Oh, okay, okay. And I remember that one specifically because Aerosmith was my favorite rock band at the time. And Britney was like at the top of her game. And I was probably of that age where I had a huge crush on Britney back then. <laughs> that was like probably, your, I don't know, 1999 or something. <laughs> yeah. Late, yeah. I think it was like late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. But yeah, off the top of, off the top of my head. Yeah. I'd say those. And then of course the nipple gate. <laughs> right. 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 With uh, Justin Turbolake and uh, Janet Jackson. But Justin's got a pretty good track record. eh? He gets to date Janet Jackson, Brittany. Yeah. Uh, uh, Cameron Diaz for a while. Yeah, it's a nice touch. Yeah. All these beautiful women. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he just seems so weaselly to me, though. <laughs> just talented. He's very talented, but I don't know. There's something very weaselly about him. Like he let Janet Jackson take the fall. You know, he ripped her shirt off and she got. Yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, if you look at the footage, it it, it was completely <laughs> planned. Like they knew, they both oh, knew yes, what was happening. For sure. 
for sure. But she got most of the the blame for it, even though they both probably said okay. And because it was because it was her idea, one hundred percent. Like. <laughs> Justin didn't like, you know what would be cool for the Super Bowl? Me ripping your shirt off or whatever. Like it was like a, it was some sort of PR stunt with I'm pretty sure her team. I'm not blaming her either. I'm just saying. Yeah, and he was probably like he's okay with okay. it. Like who would yeah, say no? Okay I'm just, yeah, like, I'm just no, saying he wasn't his I idea. I didn't I say totally <laughs> he's not partly to blame. You want me to what? I couldn't. You know? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. So um Oh, Spence Charles asked, who's interviewing who? Yeah, I guess. You're, okay. You know what? You, you ask a question. I've, I've been asking most. I've been doing most of the. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I just want to acknowledge Spence that, you know, this is like, you're here on Wednesday, Spence. Like, I hope you have the banana suit anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so um, how long have you been doing comedy? Like, when did you start? Uh, 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 I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I thought I knew in my head, like I had a number in my head. I was going to be like seven years, but then I was like, I started when I was like 31. I don't know. So, but that's so, uh, yeah, right around then eight years, maybe. Okay. I guess last year didn't count. So seven years. <laughs> it all counts. It all counts. Last and year didn't, I take it that um, music, is probably your first love? It was. I mean, I because I started it earlier, so I, I've been doing music for twenty plus years, and it's um, the, the transition was funny for that because I'd be doing. I, I got to a point in music where I just I got sick of it, so I was doing like theater shows, and then I, in between songs, I get to talk to the audience and do my little banter, and I might have like a little joke prepared or something, and then they'd laugh and they'd. Uh, it was really engaging. You know what I mean? And so I was like, wow, I, I couldn't wait for the song to end so I could talk to the crowd again. <laughs> and then it occurred to me like, why don't I just get rid of all these damn songs and just talk to the audience the entire time. And that's when I started to try and, and stand up. Start. Yeah. Okay. Um, did you always, um, cause I, like we performed uh, a handful of times um, when we opened up like over the last year, especially like the last few months when we, would open for a brief period before, you know, before shutdowns number two and three. Yeah. Um, was your comedy always musical comedy or did you do straight comedy at, that, at the beginning? The musical comedy thing is only, it's only been back for like the last uh, few months, like since the okay. last shutdown. So like I, I did musical comedy at first cause it was just no, it was just more natural to me cause I had always had the music thing. And then, uh, it, you know, you, you get, you get the, the lash back or whatever the hell you call that from certain parties. It's like, oh, you're not a real comic because you got this crutch carrying around and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, sorry, all right, well, I'll put the instrument down. And then I did straight comedy for a few years and, and that was fun. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, and then after the first lockdown, I went back and I did, like most people I assume went up and I, I completely bombed because I hadn't done comedy in eight months. And so I was like, Oh, it just felt gross. And so like the next time out, I brought the guitar kills because it's just, I don't know. I do well with the guitar, I guess. I just feel more comfortable regardless. And so since then uh, I just, I've been now I'm like using it as an excuse and now I just, I'm writing 
new uh, new comedy songs for that reason. Just uh, <laughs> I like your comedy songs; they're good. They're really funny. They're really funny. Yeah. So how this... long? Like, typically, how long would it take you to? Well, I guess it's like it's like joke writing. You could probably. Um, bang one out pretty quickly depending and then another one might take you a while right well it's funny because like i i've got a bunch of country albums out there and i get a couple of kids albums and a couple of this and that and then but i basically just write it and then release it and then hope for the best whereas comedy i can literally write the song like a joke so i can like i think you even saw it a couple times where i'd, I'd write the song i'd sing it you know with a piece of paper in front of me and then mm-hmm. A week later, I, I would sing a completely different version because I could see where the laugh lines were and I would change it up. And it's really cool the way you can create a song with like a joke at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. That's so then once, uh, once every, you know, it's funny all the way through, now I can take it to the studio and actually record it. Very cool. Because I, I remember seeing on, I think it was on Instagram. I like your, I love your little, your, your little skits, like your TikTok sticks. TikTok skits. <laughs> That's the other thing that kept me sane through this pandemic was the damn was TikTok. I just TikTok. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna do one every day just to keep just just so I have a reason to get out of bed in the morning. So <laughs> that's exactly what happened. Like every day yeah, throughout the entire fun. pandemic, a new stupid video, and it grew. It, it did well. So that's yeah. No, glad I did that. They're they're pretty funny. They're pretty funny. And then you were doing um because uh, you have a a team with uh, Jean-Francois Frenet, with J.F. Frenet. Yeah, we, we did that before. So we, we hooked up before the lockdown, obviously. So the entire year, or most of that year beforehand, we filmed all our stuff and then we just started releasing them through the pandemic. <laughs> so it was good timing, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But that's the thing. It's like J.F. and I, did, like we worked hard to create these scripts. We would get together and, and film and then, you know, Jeff would edit the hell out of it and it all, it was great. But then, you know, they didn't pop as well as we wanted them to. But then I do this 15 second TikTok video that hits like millions of views. I'm like, it took me like literally two minutes to record. <laughs> so I'm like, why am I, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, like, you know, effort does not equal results in this case. Yeah. It's really annoying to be honest with you. Yeah. I haven't, um, I haven't done the TikTok yet. I, I haven't even downloaded it yet. Cause I'm like, I'll, I'll probably get addicted. People send me TikToks like of cats and stuff, which I really enjoy, but that's the extent of it. I'll watch, I'll watch whatever somebody posts or somebody sends me stuff, but I haven't, I haven't done it myself yet. So I'm starting to slow down. I don't, I don't really, uh, I'm losing interest because I'm probably, I'm starting to write this album now, this, this comedy album. And so it's like, I, that's where my creativity is. I don't really have time to write, do cat videos or whatever the hell. <laughs> So also, um, what I was going to say before was um, there was a billboard. Was it in Nashville? That was in Nashville. Um, yeah, I, I wrote a song uh, like five years ago. And then this uh, African-American uh, artist in uh, in the States wanted to record it. Maybe you know her. Uh, no, I'm kidding. That's like... <laughs> uh, we uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh so like one quick... time somebody pulled that on me and i actually knew the person and i was so mad right <laughs> <laughs> and i was like oh <laughs> 
Oh, well, so you don't, you don't know her. Um, <laughs> so yeah, she, she wanted, she loved it. And it was a duet. So we recorded it together and released it. And then she, you know, promoted it and whatever. And it, it ended up hitting like 200,000 streams or something like that. And wow. she, <laughs> it was like this billboard in Nashville for a short period of time. Just, uh, wow. I don't know if it translated it into much, but it's, it was a cool post for Instagram at the yeah. very least. So tell me about um, your music career, because you, you mentioned uh, a few minutes ago that um, you've released several albums and now you're, you're working on an album, like a, a comedy album, but an album just the same. Like, what's yeah. that process like and how, like... Here I can show you, hey, so if, can you see, if I shift that way, can you see the, the albums on the wall? Yeah. Yeah, so they, so... Um, Basically, it's kind of like practicing in real life. It's just <laughs> if you keep if you keep releasing shit, you're gonna get it right eventually. So it's, it's uh, so the so I started out in 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 rock and roll back in let's say the early two thousands when everybody wanted to sound like Creed. <laughs> I was like, but I was like a closeted country guy, so I was just like, you know what. I, I need to, like, I was a really big Garth Brooks fan. I can't do this anymore. So like behind the guy's backs in the band, I'd be going out singing country songs and honky tonks and stuff. Then they walk into a bar and you're on stage. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Nothing. Yeah, <what> you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Those chaps. Uh, your 10 gallon hat. <laughs> exactly. So around 2008, I, I got this opportunity to go record in, in Nashville. So I, I'm down there and we're recording these, uh, these songs with all the, all the big Nashvilleian people. So I got all the same players on my album are the same guys on Tim McGraw's album and Reba McIntyre's wow. album and Shania's album. And I'm like, this is amazing. I've got it all lined up. It's all ready to go. It's perfect. So I, I'm ready to release it and we're going to be a big star. So we released to the radio and they're like, this is shit. We don't want to. Oh, no. <laughs> they didn't say that. No, but, they, but the point is they didn't, it didn't get a lot of spins, right? It, it, okay. at, at the time. And so I thought it was a, a complete failure. And then uh, a year later, we get this call from uh, this ad company in New York. They're like, you know what? We would love to use your, your, one of your songs in this ad campaign. Uh, and I was like, I thought it was a crank call. So I hung up on them and then uh, but they called back and so I was like, cool. You know. <laughs> okay. You passed yeah. the test. <laughs> exactly. So they, uh, cause it never, I don't know. I didn't really experience, I wasn't experienced in that side of things. So they, they used this song and it was in this commercial with like Kevin Elan and Arnold Palmer and, and Chris Bosch. And it was, yeah, they were you know, all over North America. So I'd be like on tour in Florida, getting my oil changed or something like that. And then like, I'd, I'd be in the waiting room and the commercial will come on. And like, I wanted to like, you know, nudge the guy next to me. Like, Hey, that's, that's nice. Me. But I'm, I'm cooler <laughs> than that. So I, I never did. Right? So, <laughs> so then, yeah. So like, so that was good. And so I leaned into that world for a while. Like that. So I started writing jingles and I'm like, this is not why I got into music. I don't want to write songs about hot dogs and shit. So I, I started to, to procreate and uh, I, ha I had two kids and they watched Sesame Street. You wanted the long version of the story, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay, so <laughs> I watched Sesame Street. I'm like, this music is the worst. I could do better than this. So I decided to write a, a children's album. And 
I so I went back to Nashville. I, re, I used all the same session players I normally use to use my my contemporary. Because I don't know if you've heard a kid's song in your life, but it's like literally the worst, right? It's they're talking down to kids and they're like la 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 la. Kids yeah, don't want to yeah. hear that. They want to hear the same stuff that you listen to. That we hear exactly because they have the ears, you know. They exactly, they have yeah. the same ears that we so the same ears and they like pleasant melodies too. Not yeah. 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 So I wrote a song, I wrote a, an album for, for that demographic, the, the people that wanted to hear the, the good stuff. And then mm-hmm. the kids were still young. I wasn't ready to write for adults again. So I wrote another kid's album. <laughs> and then looking over here for reference. Yeah. And then I stayed, and then eventually I, I got back to country, but not the country that every now. So you've heard, I don't know if you've heard country radio. It's, it sounds like disco for losers, right? So it's like, every every song's about a pickup truck and and jeans and <laughs> short shorts and and uh you know yeah exactly so I, I just it wasn't i don't drive a pickup truck and i don't have a hat i look like an idiot in hats and so i like i have, I have a lot of plaid but i don't anyway I, I can't write songs about that kind of stuff so i i was like and the, the radio as i said earlier <laughs> cowboy aesthetic <laughs> i don't like i'm literally a, like a like a white collar country guy like i'm not i don't i'm not a and so funny story i'm actually writing a song a comedy song called white collar country fan right now <laughs> so that'll be in the upcoming album but the uh moral of that whole thing is is as i wasn't writing for radio like there's a point in time where i was trying to write to like fit into this box i'm like all right i'm gonna write a song literally about a truck <laughs> it can't mud and it can't fail because that's what everything else is on the radio so i did and it failed so i was like forget it i'm writing what i want to write from now on and so i wrote this album called bu it's about being authentic and writing songs that i wanted to write that i thought people like me wanted to hear i did that and then that one got me a country canadian country music award nomination wow so obviously it's uh it resonated yeah, do do what you want to do and hopefully other people will gravitate yeah. to it is the moral of that story well that's a, yeah that that shows that you should do what feels right for you and not do stuff to fit in somewhere yeah. do something that feels that's authentic to you and feels right to you not mm-hmm. to yeah that's good I, I have a hard time faking it too like even when it comes to comedy i don't know if you could attest to this but like uh I mean, a lot of my stuff is, is, is real life. So it's like, I, I have a lot of jokes about my children or whatever the case may be, but then you walk into a room full of 20 year olds and like, I'm like, do I have any Tinder jokes? <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> like, I don't so I'm like, and I have tried to, so I, I can't, uh, but you know, I, I, I could, I just, I can't, uh, it's hard for me to like be funny in, in something I'm not, if, uh, even though I try on occasion. Yeah, well, the best, I, I think the, the best jokes are from your actual life that, you know, stuff you've experienced and because you have your own unique perspective on it. You know, it could be something that, uh, um, that a lot of people can relate to, but you're making them laugh with your own unique take on it, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah, and the thing is you don't have to have kids to, find jokes about somebody telling jokes about their kids you don't have to have kids to find that funny the thing that the catalyst that that the wake-up call for me for that was the the tornado that came oh, and yes. hit, hit me back in 2018 so at, at that point i probably was still 
doing guitar stuff and I, I dabble in not guitar stuff. But then as soon as that happened, it kind of, uh, it, it opened up that Pandora's box of talking about real things and trying to make that funny. And uh, your, your, your home got destroyed. <clears throat> yeah. So then I, it came, that, that was on the tail end of like me doing sketches. It was, I think it was before JF and I were doing the sketches, but I was doing solo sketches. And so I was kind of conditioned to like just monologue in front of a camera and try to be funny, I guess. And so for, as soon as it happened, after I figured out my kids were alive, uh, I decided to uh, pick up a camera and start, uh, start filming. So we go around the house. I did like a Cribs parody of like, Oh, this is my, uh, tree house this is you know because there's a tree in the bedroom anyway so that thing i guess it resonated with with some of the locals and it, it caught fire and it went viral which caught the attention of the the wonderful ted talk people over in colorado i don't know how it got onto the other side of the uh, continent but they invited me down to speak of my uh my situation and um it's a good uh, uh, example of sublimation is what the psychologists call it, where you're basically replacing a negative situation with a positive one. And that Ted talk gets shared amongst uh, like PTSD conferences and psychologists use it to treat their trauma patients. Like as, again, as a, as a example of sublimation. So all this time over 20 years, I'm like, I'm really creating zero value with my jokes or my music or anything else. But now for once I realize that there is value in what we do. Wow, that's incredible. Mm -hmm. incredible. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, because I've always wondered like how, because I'm sure like at some level people might apply to be on a TED Talk or the TEDx or whatever circuit. But yeah, for your video to go viral and then for them to reach out to you and to bring you down, that's amazing. That's fascinating. Um, But I felt like a dork because like I, I am talking about I, I did learn a few valuable life lessons throughout the uh, entire process, but I mean, at the same time, I'm talking about overcoming adversity. Then again, like the person who was just talking after me at the TED conference, like it was, you know, was recently molested. It's like, like I'm not, oh. <laughs> yeah. So I lost some stuff and I got it back cause I'm insured, but like, you know, other people yeah, have gone through. I mean, it's still, it's still like trauma and, yeah, because I, I find like people compare and it's like, you can't compare it. Like that's something that like disrupted your life. And it was probably very, it was probably traumatic and frightening and all of that. You're right. No, you're absolutely right. The perception is Rory's making light of, of all this stuff and, and he's, he's good now and alive. But at the time, you know, your perception changes. Like I, I easily could have been widowed of kids and like you know, it's, uh, if it had to happen at night, it could happen at 5 PM. And if it had to happen at 10 PM, we, we'd all be dead because the yeah, entire so upstairs, yeah. we were in the house when it happened, but it was dinner time. We were downstairs. So like oh. all the trees hit, uh, most of the upstairs. Wow. So, um, the bedrooms were destroyed, but I mean, the kitchen was, was luckily fine. So <laughs> this is oh where the, the dinner is. We, um, yeah, so we're just sitting there. Like, it looks like the wind, you know, it, it, was, it was. I've seen windy days before, but all of a sudden, like a tree gets uprooted. And I was like, all right, we should head to the basement. It only happened, it, it was really quick. It, it was 20 seconds and it was finished. Mm-hmm. Is the closest I've come to something like that was uh, 
I think it's a, I think like 2011 or something, I lived uh, um, like in the annex in Toronto. And I lived downtown, so it was like Bloor and Avenue Road, like that area. Yep. And I lived in the basement of a house. And so a nice area, lots of trees. And then one morning I'm getting ready for work. And I just heard this weird, I can't even describe it, just this loud sound. And then it was like a whoosh. And then the whole house shook. And I remember my cats just like scattered sort of thing. And I was like, what was that? Like I didn't lose power or anything. And then when I actually left the apartment, um, I opened the door and there are like branches and everything. And this giant tree was just over my doorway. And it had gone through the window on the second story. I think it was the second story of the, of the main part of the house. And then yeah. like another branch had gone through the window of the house next door. And I remember speaking to the man, uh, I think like the next day or that evening. And he had said that he had just gone and picked up his son and took him out of the room, like to feed him or something like minutes before, like, like a minute before the branch came through the window. Right. Yeah. And it was just like, holy cow. Like I wasn't injured or anything. The only thing that happened like with my thing is that it like pulled out the cable. So I didn't have cable <laughs> that day. <laughs> what a, you should get a TED talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should get a TED talk. I know. I didn't have cable for like two days. It was awful. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. The tree took out my cable, but like I was okay and everything, but it, it was just, I'll never forget the sound and I can't describe it. And then, and it, yeah, like you said, seconds and it was done. Yeah. It's, uh, uh yeah and, and funny enough it was it was sunnier afterwards like it, it in the neighborhood i live in there's just a, a lot of mature trees and so like we were always kind of canvassed by it was always shady there was never any sun and then after the uh after the tornado happened you would expect dark skies but it was the first time our, our property saw sun so it was uh, mm-hmm. it was interesting blue skies yeah. i literally bought trees last year so <laughs> In your life, have you ever thought, you know, I'm going to purchase a tree with my hard-earned money? <laughs> I never have, but I remember growing up, my parents bought trees for our property. And That's amazing. I've never heard apple. of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We had an apple. My father bought an apple tree for the backyard. And we had lived in that house. We moved there when I was nine. So that was like 1976. We moved to that house. Yeah. And then my parents downsized in 2013. So that was like a big chunk of time that we were, that our family was in that house. And um, what was I saying? <laughs> oh, you, you bought trees. Oh, with the trees. Yeah. So, but that's just it. Like I said, but, but like your father did it. But like, I, I mean, it, but I've never done it. I've never said I'm going to buy a tree and plant it. No, Let's I just didn't. say you have disposable income hanging around right now. Like, is it any, any inclination where you're like, you know what? Trees is where I'm going to put this one. <laughs> I didn't think that would have been, you know, anyways. Yeah. This, not, this happens. I I've, I've done it. I'm, in a, I'm in a condo right now, so I don't have like land, but I think I could be wrong, but I think when I was married and we had our house in Montreal, I think if I, if I don't, re- if I remember correctly, 
that my ex bought a pear tree or something and planted it in our backyard. But yeah. it doesn't bring me the joy that I thought it would. <laughs> I feel but like I know the apple tree in my parents' yard, like it grew and it, it, it bore apples and everything. So, and yes. then they bought like other shrubbery and stuff for the front lawn. Uh, it, was it the uh, the bad apples that inevitably killed your mother? No. Let's ask my country friend from the states. Do you know Simone? <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't know you either. <laughs> no, the apples had no had no bearing. Okay. On her health. <laughs> it, it took forty five years, but like <laughs> the apples de- finally did her in. <laughs> Son of a bitch, apples. never eating fruit again as long as I live. I'm a blueberry man now. <laughs> but yeah, no, I remember our dog used to eat the ones that fell. And she would pull the the low-hanging ones. She would pull those off and sometimes eat the ones that fell. Yeah. Does, is that good for a dog? She 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 never she yeah, she was fine. She was fine. <laughs> I know there's there's some fruits that aren't good for dogs, but she I don't know if apples are good or not. But she. Well, um, you know what they say: like an apple a day keeps the vet away. So keeps that's. The vet. <laughs> yeah. I know she used to like grapes, and we used to feed her grapes. And apparently, grapes are very bad for dogs. And we're like, oh, okay, but like we wouldn't give her like a pound of grapes, but she loved she go mental for grape for for grapes. So we give her a couple of grapes. And I am acidity. Toxic for dogs or something. And we're like, we didn't know that. <laughs> we had no idea. <laughs> this is pre-internet. <laughs> exactly. Pre-internet, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. Now, now there's Alexa. Hey, Alexa, are uh, grapes good for dogs? <laughs> don't give your fucking dogs grapes. Yeah. Don't give her grapes. Like, <laughs> yeah. Or chocolate. Like, I don't. I remember one Christmas, our dog just like slurping a whole plate of chocolate when nobody was looking and she was fine but like she snuck into the living room and literally like murdered your mother (laughs) that's what did it okay that's what what did it (laughs) sorry to bring up all these old memories (laughs) i'm like traumatized i'm triggered (laughs) now i'm not sure what actually uh, did your mother in but if you had a choice would you rather it have been the grapes or the dog killing your mother oh jesus this is your show. I'm trying to make it about you. Neither. You invited me here, so it's your fault. <laughs> I know. I, yeah, I did this. I you know, this you know better than to invite me places. <laughs> was, I, I haven't been I to know. a party in years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, no, neither. Neither. <laughs> I wish you were still here. That's <laughs> <laughs> and end. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, ah. <laughs> I can't be crying on my show. <laughs> Success. Success. Exactly. Exactly. Oh my god. So, um, what was I going to say? Um, so, like, when you're doing either writing songs or writing jokes or um, like just getting ready to perform. Is there anything that's off limits? Is there, are there things that you're like, okay, I'm not going to write jokes about this. I'm not going to write a song about this. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't really, I don't really 
write political things. I don't really write religious things. And not because I'm trying to stay away from them. It's just because I don't know anything about either of them. (laughs) So I (laughs) I have no context. Um, I generally try to stay as clean as as possible. Sometimes I border into the blue territory, but uh, I'm generally a pretty clean, clean folk. I'm always afraid. I know I freak you out. Yeah, you're not like you're not you're not like filthy, but like you know, you surprise me with some of your because <laughs> of this angelic face. Yeah, maybe that's it. You you have like a you have a, a ring light on your face right now. It's making you look extra angelic. <laughs> I know, super angelic. I know. I have a very innocent look, so when I'm like ah squirting, people <laughs> like touching their pearls. Stuff, so. <laughs> right. All those people from the seventies that come to your show, clutching their pearls. Clutching their pearls. <laughs> yeah. So, so there's, so you don't, um, you, you don't censor yourself. You just write. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I essentially, I don't like to, uh, uh, I don't know, like early on as most people are, are all dirty just because like it's that's what's funny and that's what gets laughs yeah. and then uh, yeah. over time i guess i just i try I, you know i just try to <laughs> go the extra mile and make it funny without being dirty and that's hard to do i, I often don't get laughs but <laughs> you know if uh, <laughs> at least my mom's not disappointed so right. Right. i'm not bragging that my mom's still here but i'm just <laughs> sure <laughs> <laughs> i guess you have your dad too yeah, yeah, I do. yeah. Both are dad. In fact, no. <laughs> my dad was here yesterday. We hugged. So <laughs> I don't have any grandparents, so that makes you feel better. I have zero parents. No, I have zero grandparents. Oh, zero. Yeah, I have no grandparents, no parents. Yeah. Well, uh, if you need a hug, <laughs> I miss hugs. Ask somebody in your bubble because I can't come over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, have, I have no bubble. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all alone. My cats. Who hate me <laughs> right can't hate everybody like, don't feel bad yeah. yeah they're like you're still here <laughs> like, right <laughs> fill the bowl <laughs> yeah maybe that's it um, maybe you're maybe you're not afraid to be dirty because you have no one who's going to be disappointed in you yeah i think so because I, I was talking um i interviewed my sister um last weekend and um we talked about that I was like, I don't think I would say the thing half the things I say on stage if I knew my mother was right, yeah. <laughs> or my or my dad. Like I I would probably keep it very generic, sort of thing. And yeah, I wouldn't get. Yeah, I, I blame yeah. a lot of my country roots as well. Where like I in the country music genre, it's it's pretty straightforward and, and clean. And I that's kind of the brand I've created over this. 20 years, right? I remember a couple of years ago, I was heading to, uh, I was on a flight to, to New York and I was sitting beside uh, Kenny from Kenny versus Spenny. Okay. And so and um, we got to talking about what we did and stuff like that. And he wanted to start this band with me. And I'm, and I'm like, you know, I mean, it sounds interesting. Let's, let's talk about it. So he emails me these lyrics and there's the most vile, like, gross like i always i barfed in my mouth a little bit as i'm reading oh, them no. i'm like dude i can't sing this in public like it's just yeah. <laughs> try so hard to create this like 
you know, image for myself. I can't like. And then poof, it's gone. It's yeah. One, 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 yeah, one chorus, it's over. Yeah, I don't know. So that's, maybe that's part of it, but um, that band never started. <laughs> Because the thing is, it's like, I don't, um, yeah, my thing, I swear, but I'm not like every other word or things like that. It's more for emphasis. You know, yeah. it's more the subject matter because the subject but, yeah. matter, I've done the same subject matter with like zero swearing and it's still dirty, you know what I mean? Right. But I'm just not swearing. Um, yeah, you're right though. There is, there is sometimes where like, you just need to like add a swear because it makes it that much exactly. funnier. Just a little that much a little more oomph to it yeah. yeah yeah so but yeah i'm pretty sure that like if my parents were still around and there was like the possibility of them coming to a show or seeing something that yeah would be a, it would be very different i think and i don't even you know what i think there's some correlation between i waited till they're both gone <laughs> before i started <laughs> you know? no that's subconsciously is <laughs> probably yeah, a thing yeah because my yeah. sister was like, well, you know, I had no idea. You never told us. I think I told one friend that I wanted to do comedy, like back when I was 15. And I never told, like, they knew I enjoyed like going to comedy shows and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. um, my sister said, well, you never told us. So when you told me that this is what you were doing, she was like, oh, oh okay. She was shocked because she had no idea that it was something I wanted to do. So I think probably, you know, at some level, um after my mom was gone i was like might as well just just yolo yeah, yeah yolo <laughs> exactly. exactly i checked it out for years though like i i wanted to do it back in i think the first time i really want it was remember the blue collar you, you probably don't but remember the blue collar comedy tour <laughs> yeah 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 I, I remember that yeah that's what got me into uh that's why I'm like, why, man? I'm I want to do what Larry the Cable Guy's doing. <laughs> yeah, and so because uh, that was with Jeff Foxworthy. Yeah. Um. Uh, Bill Engvall. Uh, Engvall. That's his Ron name. White. Yeah, because Ron White's the guy with he always had like a brandy. Yeah. And a, yeah. A whiskey and cigar. Yeah. And Larry the Cable Guy. Yeah. But that was kind of my intro into into comedy, and I was like, I could do that. And then like, I just I just I didn't for years. I I, just, I go and I pay the cover charge at the comedy club. I'm like, all right, I'm going to do it one day. And then the, the, the thing that broke me was it was the first absolute competition they ever had. And I was like, I saw a sign on the, in the bathroom door, like sign up for this thing. I was like, all right, I'm signing up. That way I'm held accountable. Yes. I have to show up now. Yeah. And uh, this is before <laughs> they had like 200 list. people applying and there was probably like 10 people who applied to this thing. And I was one <laughs> of them. So uh, anyways, I was hooked after that, uh, after that one. But yeah, I'm pretty sure I probably, yeah, I never, I never thought about that, that um, I probably waited till they were gone to do it, <laughs> you know? I wonder if people, I wonder if people like, you're probably not alone, not necessarily just comedy, but like uh, taking risks in general. Yeah. So you, you've got a great career. You've got, uh, uh, you know, you're, you're checking the boxes, right? But it's like, let's just say you wanted to be a burlesque dancer. <laughs> <laughs> chances are you wouldn't have you know if you wouldn't have gone down that path because your parents wouldn't have approved or so you know yeah, so my parents would be like you're doing what <laughs> or it doesn't even have to be that it just could be like the un, un unsafe route it's like i i'd like to uh 
write poetry. I don't know. What's a, what's a good yeah. example? I don't know. Something that you could make money in, but it's a little bit harder. Like yeah. no one, every parent is going to be like, you're an idiot. Go back to school. <laughs> do Yeah. Cause the thing is my parents would have been like, are you, you're quitting your job to do this? And I'd be like, no, I'm just going to do it sort of thing. But like a, like a good example was um, I did the, the edge walk, which is when you walk on the CN tower, yeah. that thing. And my parents were, they were both alive and I did it and I didn't tell them until after I did it. You know, right. I, I went, did it. It was amazing. Came home with my video and my pictures and everything. And then <laughs> I remember calling home. I remember saying, I said, actually, I, I came home. I sent the videos. I emailed them to my parents and like literally five minutes later, my mother called me and she was like, what did you do? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, I'm glad you didn't tell me. Yeah. She's like, I'm glad you didn't tell me before, you know, because she's yeah. like, I would have been like freaking out the whole time. So I told her after and she was like, yeah, I just remember she was just like, why do you do these things? <laughs> like what's wrong <laughs> with you sort of thing. And my father always used to say that I had balls or he'd say I had, I had, the, <laughs> I had cajones or I think he used to say something like cajones. I had, like, I had cajones. You, were, you were the son he never had. It was the son he never had exactly. <laughs> Yeah, because he always said I was like gutsy and like fearless like that. Mm -hmm. I call it stupid, but whatever. <laughs> you know? But there's so, so many. He thought it was cool. Yeah, that was cool. I, I think I don't know. I, there, there is a tipping point though. Like, let's just if you could do it all over again, we'll just rewind twenty years. Let's say you, you, you're still on your stable path. You have your career. Could you not do comedy on the side? Uh, even if you didn't tell them or just like, just until you were <laughs> confident enough to invite someone to come see it. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, it took me a I while too. Like I, I used to go to Kingston every, every month before I told anybody I was doing it. Like I wanted to like, I didn't want to suck in front of anybody. Yeah. You know, even though you suck for the first few years, I, 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 I did so many Kingston open mics before I did one in <laughs> Ottawa. Where's it, the thing when I was in Toronto, like I, I wanted to do it and I like signed up and I signed up for our, or like filled out the form online for like an absolute course and never submitted it. I did that. I don't know about a half a dozen times. And I was like, I don't want anybody to know. I don't want anybody I know there. If I, if I'm to do this, I don't want anybody to know that, I'm doing this, but it was a total, totally different when I was here, when I started here and I had my first, like our graduation class and I invited everybody I knew. I didn't know that many people here yet, but anybody I knew I invited, which was like a far cry from like 10 years before where I was like, I don't want anybody I know. In changed the then. Yeah. What, what changed in that 10 years? Um, Internally. Maybe just confidence, and I think. But what gave you confidence? Did it come with age? I think it came with age. I think it came with um, suffering enormous loss. That I was like, the worst things that could have happened have happened. Like I'm not afraid of anything. Right. Like the scariest things that could that I thought, like the things that were the scariest to me, my parents losing my parents, losing my friends, losing my grandmother all happened, you know, it all happened. And so I remember 
when I was like, that's it, I'm doing it, my best friend had passed away um, maybe about a month before the course started. And I was like, you know, I, I, I need to live. So the mantra is kind of like life's too short. Life's too short. Do, do, do the things you want to do. So it was like, I was on a, I was on a tear of doing, so it's like, I always wanted to do like a photo shoot type thing. I did that. Um, I always wanted to try comedy. I did that. Comedy stuck though. I kept, I kept doing it and just, yeah, just in general, I'm like, if you have the means and the, the means and, or the time and, or the, the motivation to do something, just do it because we're, we're, we're not promised anything. Yeah, exactly. You know? We're not mm -hmm. promised anything. I know my friend, my friend was only a year and a half older than me and she's gone. You know, my parents, yeah. they were older. They were like late seventies and stuff, but still they wanted, you know, they wanted more out of life. They wanted to, you know, they wanted to live longer than they did. And they didn't get that chance. So it's like, I don't, I don't, I never wanted to be like, I'm in a position where I'm going to die, where I see my death is imminent and be like, I never, I should have done this or I should have done that. I, I, I don't want to be in that position. I live with that too. I feel like if you're, there's a book you can, you can even read like on the internet, like a blog post of like the uh, five things people regret on their deathbed and there's five of them but the one that stuck out for me was it was like no regret kind of thing just like yeah. just uh don't yeah. be afraid to do the things that yeah. you could have done when you were when you had the chance exactly exactly because yeah i don't want to i don't want to be in a position where i'm like well what if what if i've done that i would go to the, I, went, I went to the extreme though i do it to a fault where like i uh i kind of spread myself a little thin <laughs> So it's, uh, sometimes I need to reel myself in, but, uh, yeah, I, I could be like that too. I'm like, like go big or go home sort of thing, mm -hmm. like all in or all, yeah. or all out. But I know I, I don't want to have regrets. You know? yeah, and it's no. like, I'm not afraid of, um, I'm not afraid of hearing no or rejection or I'm, I'm not looking forward to those things, but I'm not as terrified of, you know, being rejected or you know, being turned down or somebody saying no or, or things not working out. Like I'm not, I'm not afraid of that anymore because that's not, that's not fatal. That's not going to end me, you know, where a few years ago that would have broken me. Sometimes those things uh, are, are meant for, like are for the better. Right. I, and I hate to bring this back to like Garth Brooks, but full circle for the conversation. He's got this song called Unanswered Prayers where he talks about the, uh, uh, he had this crush on this girl and the, and the whole first verse is like painting this picture of like they're at some carnival or something. And I forget what the hell happened. Oh no, no. So it's like, he's there with his wife at the carnival at present time. And he sees his, 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 this, this girl he had a crush on in high school. And maybe he remember fantasizing about that particular thing. It's like, if only I could have just been with that girl. And then like now, 30 years later, he looks back. He's like, the moral of the story is some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Mm -hmm. And so, sure. uh, you know, if you, if, you know, if, if you get your nose, it's there's probably a good reason for it because you, you want to, uh, put yeah, your energy somewhere else. Path. Exactly. 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it's like that doesn't that doesn't um, frighten me the way it used to. Exactly. Um, now there is uh, two people looking through a glass oh. at me, ready for uh, for bedtime things. So I'm going to. Uh, I have to. We have to, have to. Do you have any any final questions before we uh, wrap this up? I usually have like. I usually ask like a silly question. I ask you to pick a number between one and 62 and I'll read you the, I'll ask you the corresponding question. If you want to do that as like our last. uh, 39. 39. Okay. So 39 is what talents do you possess that not not a lot of people know? Did not a lot of people know. See, that contradicts what we just spoke about, where any talent, any fraction of talent I may have, I try to show as many people as possible. (laughs) So, um, what talents do I have that not many people know about? I can relate any sort of situation back to a Garth Brooks song. Does that count? Uh, (laughs) That's a skill. (laughs) That's a talent. (laughs) Um... I can take off my thumb. Oh. <laughs> uh, what else? <laughs> that used to terrify me as a little kid. When somebody would do that, I'd be like, ah! <laughs> it just, just broke my little brain. I dropped my kid off at the schoolyard and I did it once for like his friends. And like now it's like, as soon as they see me in the schoolyard, they're all like, do the thumb thing. <laughs> I'm that guy. I was the opposite as a kid. I was like, get away from me. <laughs> yeah. Bruja. All right, so we'll wrap this up. So, um, are we cutting this really short? Like, how many? How long does this usually go? They no, they usually go about an hour. All right, we're good. I try and keep it within an hour. So we're 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 on uh, we're on target. So, um, is there anything that you'd like to promote um, for for our listeners and viewers? I got nothing. If you want to, if you want to see all my silly TikToks, I usually end up putting them on Instagram. So just go over to Rory Gardner Music and see those things. I got uh, over this uh, last few weeks. I launched my own little podcast called The Balanced Artist. Where I'm trying to do is sort of deal with what we were talking about earlier. Like try to reel in both those uh, both sides. Like the left side full of self doubt. Like why why I can't do this? I can't do that. Well, yes, you can. Just goddamn do it. The other side, which is like, they need a bit of help on the, from the left side to like reel it back in. It's like, oh, I'm doing all my things I wanted to do, but I can't make any money doing it. Well, let's just you know, bring it back just in. Bring it, yeah. Yeah. Just so that's, hence, hence the balanced artist title. Um, anyway. So yeah, go, go, go check it out and see if you, uh, see what you think of those interviews. And you can find those like wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So the balance, the balanced artist. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much. This was it was wonderful talking to you and catching up with you. Hopefully, we'll see each other soon. I, I don't know if they're lifting this tomorrow or whatever. I, I've been hearing hearing stuff, so I don't want to get my hopes up. I'll wait till I actually, you know, hear it with my own ears. But yeah, they might be announcing some stuff tomorrow. That's good. Well, I hope to see you yeah. in the flesh very soon. I hope so too. I hope so too. Thanks for talking. Thank you so much.
Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone. See you next time. See ya. Thank you.